Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Broncos Country Tonight. Touchdown, Denver! Presented by Betfred. An official partner of the Denver Broncos. Sign up and see why everyone is betting with Fred, the bonus king. Let's go! On the official home of the Broncos. Go all night! All night! KOA. Stop doing that! Stop popping the fireworks, guys! <laughs> Somehow you, you managed to make me sound the whitest I've ever sounded. Come on, man. I'm just saying. And I go to sleep! Like, that voice, like, that's not how I talk. Like, I don't talk like that. I don't. got a third to the town where I grew up. I don't talk like that. Steve Atwater's impression of me. It needs some work, Steve. I'm just saying. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not going to say that it was perfect, but I could easily see you uh, making... Like all nuanced cadence. I'm just saying. Accent. I'm just saying. 56690's the text line. Appreciate Steve Atwater. You, if you missed that segment, you can always go to broncoscountrynight.com slash podcast and get it. Or you can go wherever you download your podcast. Apple iTunes, Spotify, the totally free and awesome iHeartRadio app. Nailed it. But now, it's time for the NFL six-pack. It's time for the NFL six-pack. I'm going to drink a lot of beer tonight. Insight and inside information you can't find anywhere else. Now, six. the top six NFL headlines. One. Kenny Pickett estimated as a full practice participant today. First time since December 1 he's had that listing. Pickett underwent tightrope surgery for a high ankle sprain on December 4th, the day after aggravating his injury and loss to the Cardinals. He went through two weeks limited practice time, and despite being medically cleared late last week, was inactive. Pickett told beat reporters Tuesday the athletic tra- training staff didn't believe he was healthy enough to play week 17. Coach Mike Tomlin said the Steelers made Trubisky the backup because he had not gotten any first-team reps. Pickett remains the team's starting quarterback on the team's depth chart. The Tomlin's already announced Mason Rudolph as the starter. Pickett expected to be number two against the Ravens. Steelers estimated uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and Alanon Robbins as not participants, and Najee Harris, Cam Hayward, Simaluo, and Trenton Thompson is limited. This brings up a bit of a conundrum here because Mason Rudolph's kind of been balling. He's got a connection with George Pickens. Now you're up against the Ravens, the best defense in the league this week, so that may change all of a sudden. But uh, this may present a quandary. I'm not sure the, where the Steelers are in the playoff hunt. i got to get back, uh, bring that back up and look at it. But uh, you've got potentially playoffs on the line or into the playoffs. Are you rolling with Mason Rudolph, who's suddenly the hot hand, or are you going back to Kenny Pickett coming off an injury who was your original starter? In this case, I'm going to go with the hot hand and Mason Rudolph because over the past couple of weeks, you're right. His chemistry with George Pickens has been off the charge. And that's something that I know Mike Tomlin wanted in this offense, being explosive downfield, being more consistent. And Rudolph is giving you that because he's playing more inspired football. And it's amazing what sitting on the bench and watching can actually do to inspire guys. So in this case, one game remaining in the regular season, I say roll with Mason Rudolph. See what happens if you're able to make it competitive with Baltimore. Then you think about keeping him in further if the Steelers make the playoffs. 
They do. They can make the playoffs. They need to win and have the Bills, Colts, and Texans all lose, I believe, or at least the Bills and one of the Colts and Texans. Don't the te- Colts and Texans play? No, they don't. Yeah, they need the Bills, Colts, and Texans all to lose. There we go. Sorry. Look at this thing. Um, actually, the Bills doesn't even matter. You need the Colts and Texans to lose. The Bills don't even matter in this in this scenario. So they, they can make the playoffs. It's not too far-fetched. I mean, you would need uh, the Raiders. <clears throat> excuse me. You would need the, the Texans and Colts to, to figure that out. But they can, they can make it. They're, not, they're all 9-7. and seven. Uh, Just tiebreaker situations there. Two. Fresh off their beatdown of Florida State. By the way, was there ever a team conning people that they belonged in the playoff? I mean, I know they didn't have like 30 players playing or whatever, but you got to show up for the game at least. You can't sit there and keep the, the worst fan base on earth is sitting there talking smack on that. Well, we should have got in over Alabama. No. No, you shouldn't have. Georgia should have, but that's that's beside the point. Uh, Brock Bowers has declared for the NFL draft. The tight end is projected to be a high first round uh, pick. He announced uh, on Twitter, and he said that uh, words can't describe how thankful he is for the last three years. An unbelievable honor and a privilege. He won the Mackey Award as the nation's tight, top tight end as a sophomore. While his final season was hampered by high ankle, high ankle sprain that required tightrope surgery. Uh, he repeated as the Mackey Award winner's career. 175 catches, 2,538 yards, 26 touchdowns in 40 games. Brock Bowers, you know, the Broncos might have a need at tight end. If they're not going to go quarterback early, would you take the, the tight end in the first round? Well, the Broncos, no, I won't. Let me start by saying that as alluring as that sounds, there are so many other things that are wrong with this team. And drafting a tight end in the first round is not going to resolve those particular issues. Now, Brock Bowers is one hell of a tight end. And I watched him over the past couple of seasons. He, he's your do-everything guy. He's a guy who can be your inline blocker, a guy that you can flex out mm-hmm. like uh, Rob Gronkowski, and he makes those types of plays. He's great against nickels, safeties, linebackers. That's kind of like an offensive coordinator's dream. But once again, the Broncos have too many other needs to put all of their chips on the tight end. I like him. I think he brings a dimension that uh, we ha- we wouldn't have seen here in quite some time. He's a better blocker than Julius Thomas, but similar athleticism uh, as far as that kind of stuff goes. I. I don't know, man. I'd have a hard time passing on that, especially with how unreliable Greg Dulcich has been and the rest of these tight ends have been non-factors. Okay, let's just say the Broncos were to go in that direction. How does having Brock Bowers and his talent changes the offensive scheme and the win-loss total? Well, it gives you a th- it gives you a threat between the numbers. Uh, you need a quarterback that's willing to throw the ball there. Uh, if you're rolling with Stidham or whomever you're rolling with, has to has to add that. But uh, you know, having a tight end as a security blanket's been a big deal for a lot of quarterbacks, especially a lot of younger quarterbacks. If you go the rookie route as well, not that you would be able to if you drafted Brock Bowers. So three. The NFL gave Dave Tepper less than a slap on the wrist for throwing a drink. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the viral video by now or Tepper throwing a drink on a fan there in Jacksonville. Fifteen years ago, it cost an owner $250,000 to show the middle fingers at a game. Uh, today, the price has been set for pouring drinks on a on a fan. $300,000 fine imposed on uh, Panthers Tepper. David Tepper is uh, laughable. He's worth $20.6 billion, so that fine equates to .00146% of his wealth. Put in context, if you were uh, to have a million dollars, you'd be paying a $14.56 fine uh, for doing that. Patriots and Panthers have banned fans in the stadiums who threw drinks. That's that's a real punishment. Short-term suspension of the owner would be a real punishment. Uh, but dipping into his, his pockets for three hundred grand on a billionaire isn't really that much money. Is this enough? Was this a big deal? Is this overblown? Three hundred grand for throwing a, a drink on a fan? No, it's not overblown. I mean, the same guidelines that players are held to 
should apply to the owners because once again, you are the owners. You set these rules and policies mm -hmm. in place. So if you violate them, I think that there should be more of a heftier fine. And, and let's be totally honest. Finding a guy who's a billionaire, $300,000, man, that's a drop in the bucket. You want to find him more than that. You want to suspend him. And then also, you want his organization to pay a fine. And, oh, by the way, take some draft picks away. You want to kind of balance the playing field uh, out. But that's not the way that you want to behave. And it's worse because it's not hearsay. It was actually caught on camera. Yeah, and it was you were you were caught in 4K HD. Like, if you're the guy who thinks you can get away with that, you know, like look at how nobody reacted around him. That, to me, that that's, Dude, that was the biggest thing. That, that was the thing. You you had, you had two guys standing right there acting no as reaction. Though they didn't see anything. I think one guy might have been on his phone. The other mm -hmm. guy who was just standing there, then he just slowly moseyed away. And you're like. If you're that, if you if you didn't react to that, yes. how often have you seen this kind of behavior? You know, this is what you're doing out in front of people. What are you doing behind closed doors? Th that's the first thing I thought, Ben. That if you didn't react to that, then maybe there's some other behavior that uh, we don't know about that wasn't caught on video. Seems, I'm just saying. Seems like a guy with a bit of an anger problem. Four. Well, speaking of not reacting, Dan Campbell is urging fans not to think the league is against the Lions. Uh, we're moving past Saturday night's disappointing loss to the Cowboys. Lions coach Dan Campbell walking a tightrope regarding whether his team and its fans should be upset about the handling of the fateful two-point conversion attempt. On Monday, Campbell was asked about the perception the NFL is against the Lions, and he said, quote, don't do that. Don't do it. I know. I get it. But don't do that. Don't buy into that. Don't live in that world, man. That'll just pull you down. If it makes you feel any better. The NFL's against every team, all right? I was in New Orleans. I know what it feels like. Plays into what you were talking about about New Orleans. He was referring to the 2018 NFC Championship and the uncalled pass interference penalty that kept the Saints from getting into Super Bowl 53. Campbell said, I would tell fans don't do it. Don't even believe that. We are just getting started. Um, Campbell surely welcomes the, the, the jolt of, of Octane, to use his word, uh, that comes from the perception of getting robbed, especially since the Lions will soon embark on single elimination football here in the playoffs. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think him saying that makes it better. Like, it, it, it kind of makes the fan base even more believe that they might be out to get him because he's, you know, towing the party line. Well, let's be totally honest. Uh, protecting the shield and integrity is seemed to be of the most utmost importance. So you had to figure when Dan Campbell stepped to the podium right freshly after losing that game, mm -hmm. he tried to contain himself and not say what he truly felt within his heart. And he was trying to move on, but it was hard. It's hard when you know that you're on the right side of things and things are not happening in your favor. So he's trying to tell fans not to do that, probably because maybe he received, let's just say, a phone call. Because you want to protect the integrity of the game. Mm -hmm. But we see what we see, and it's hard to unsee it. And I think he said it exactly the right way, too. I think he just can't, he, you know, he said, no, don't buy into that. But I think it's a wink and a nod, like, hey, if yes. they are, whatever, but don't buy it. Like, you know, I'm saying the right things right here, but we all know. Yes. Five. Arizona Cardinals head coach John Gannon has no doubt that Kyler Murray is their franchise quarterback. Last season's torn ACL, Cards coaching change created uncertainty about Kyler Murray's future in Arizona. Head coach John Gannon said there is none when the season comes to a close. He made an appearance on Arizona Sports Tuesday, was asked if there was any doubt who'd be the team's starting quarterback next season. And John Gannon said there is no doubt. Number one is our franchise quarterback. Murray's been back seven games. Cardinals have gone three and four in those contests, uh, including a 35-31 win over the Eagles. And John Gannon's homecoming and return to Philadelphia. Murray has gone 154-238 for 1,537 yards, nine TDs, five picks through the air in those games. He's run 39 times, 211, three touchdowns. Cardinals could wind up with a second overall pick, depending on how things play out in Week 18. Give him flexibility to go any direction. 
uh, at quarterback this offseason if they wanted to. So they're not really locked into that. They have Houston's. They also have Houston's first round pick, which adds more flexibility to the to the rebuild here uh, down there in Arizona. First of all, are we impressed with the job John Gannon has done with an Arizona team everybody expected to go with seventeen? Uh, and number two, do you are you buying that he believes that Kyler Murray is their guy in a uh, you know zone run boot offense? Yeah, I'll say so because Gannon spent time with the team that he defeated on Sunday in the Philadelphia Eagles. And the one thing that he had at their skill set, being the Eagles at the quarterback position, is the same guy or guy with the same skills in Kyler Murray. So we know that you can't really find those guys. They're hard to find. But the guy with that skill set, a superior skill set like Kyler Murray has, you got to keep him. And just think about it. I mean, this what Gannon has done with Arizona, you can say that it was highly unexpected. But once again, this is a team that is uh, had some players on their team. Uh, the running back is playing pretty well. So I want to see what this team looks like in 2024. But you can't do that without a quality quarterback. And Kyler Murray gives them an opportunity to win. That he does. Six. What has to be the weirdest story of the day? Aaron Rodgers might soon add another title to his list of individual accolades. Defendant. Rodgers took a shot uh, on Tuesday at Jimmy Kimmel, suggesting on the Pat McAfee show that Jimmy Kimmel's name might appear on the long-awaited Jeffrey Epstein client list. Kimmel fired back with a not-so-subtle threat, including a defamation suit, saying, quote, there's a, uh, well, Rodgers said, quote, there's a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, really hoping that doesn't come out. Uh, while appearing on McAfee's show, Kimmel shot back on Twitter saying, Dear Bleep Hole, for the record, I've not met Flomas, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than a clearly phony nonsense that soft brain wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words are putting my family in danger. Keep it up, and we will debate the facts further in court. This fight dates back to March when Rogers suggested that information regarding UFOs was released as a distraction to the Epstein client list during an appearance on McAfee. Kimmel made fun of Rogers for doing so. Rogers probably needs to tread lightly here. If he says his name appears on the list without proof, he could indeed be sued for defamation. And there's broader business issue at play here. ESPN and ABC are both commonly owned by Disney. Rogers regularly appears on McAfee shows, which appears on ESPN. And of course, Kimmel hosts ABC's popular late night show. Kimmel could, and, and frankly should, complain to the powers that be about ESPN giving a weekly platform to somebody that, that spews reckless conspiracy theories and tells outright lies. Rogers has been caught before uh, after a book came out with, uh, who is it, Jeff... Uh, Perlman that came out with the book about Rogers and uh, Favre or whatever. Favre, Rogers denied everything and then it turned out to be 100% true. Anyway, that's good. It's good prompt to ESPN to tell McAfee he needs to cut Rogers loose. What did you think about all this? Well, first of all, Ben, they're not going to cut Rogers loose because Pat, Pat McAfee rose to fame, had a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers himself. Remember the two-year period of time where Aaron Rodgers had everyone guessing where, where he's going to go, end up? building McAfee's offense up? Th that, that's right. And Denver was one of those places. So mm -hmm. even bad publicity is good publicity. This is the way that the executives are going to look at it. Now, if they have to get two, the, those two guys on a phone call and talk about it, possibly. But we, we know comedians say a lot of things and they're not held accountable for the things that they say. But mm -hmm. if you're not a comedian, you say something, now everyone comes after you. So this is where I kind of look at this situation. And will it end up being a defamation lawsuit? We don't know, but guess what? We all get a chance to sit back and watch what happens. We got the popcorn. We got the Martinelli's. I brought you a gallon, a gallon. of Martinelli's. Nice. We got plenty for the. We got enough to last this whole thing. I, that story was just weird to me. Like, I, like, what in the world was? 
Like, Rogers says a lot of nut job stuff. Like, he says a lot of stuff that is just absolutely Looney Tunes, nut job, obviously fake. Not He gets suckered by all these, you know, internet hoaxes and all that kind of stuff. And he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. I just, you know, I, I could, like, the way that I took that when I saw the clip, I'm like, okay, I think he's just trying to make a bad joke here. And he's just not funny. Like, I, I think that that was the thing. Because that's not something, I mean, like, that just wasn't funny. Like, if you're going to make a joke, at least make it funny. You know, but I mean, he's mad at Kimmel because Kimmel made fun of him because he had that UFO conspiracy theory, you know, nonsense. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of beef that's out there. And I, too, thought that this was kind of a dry humor attempt mm-hmm. at trying to be funny and take a shot at Kimmel. But once again, we don't know what's on that list. And it would be wild in some kind of crazy way if it his name did did appear on the list, but Kimmel doesn't seem like that type of person. But I've run across people who I thought were not those types of individuals, and things have happened. So we'll just have to see. And once again, this may be a case of everyone want having to be careful about the words that you use, whether you are a regular person, regular athlete, or even a comedian, because they could come back to bite you and. The derriere. That it could. Uh, we're up against the time is biting us in the derriere, but we're going to come back and talk a little laughs, a little nuggets, a little bit of CU making a defensive coordinator change. Listen to Broncos Country tonight. KOA. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is Broncos Country Tonight. Touchdown! Presented by Betfred. An official partner of the Denver Broncos. Sign up and see why everyone is betting with Fred, the bonus king. Let's go! On the official home of the Broncos. Go all night! All night! KOA. Kind of a country vibe going tonight. Oh, you mentioned Morgan Wallen and Jelly Roll. Yeah. Okay. We had the baby and LL Cool J in the first. We did. We did. That, to be fair. Well, you know what? To be to be fair, it's interesting how uh, people are introduced to new artists. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard of Jelly Roll, but I've never really listened to his music. But it was because of the whole New Year's Eve celebration mm. that my wife and I were like, you know what? We need to start listening to this dude. So it's it's funny how that happens. He's got a great backstory too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Really does really does. So this is the Broncos country tonight. But we're all right, Nick Ferguson, Grant Smith here with you. Five six six nine zero is the text line from the seven one four. Sean Payton is better than Nathaniel Hackett. Yes. But I'm still not exactly comfortable with him as our head coach long term. Seems to bring a lot of drama. I'm not sure he's going to get a Super Bowl without a Breeze caliber quarterback. A Breeze caliber quarterback. Which it, would be a, what, a top 10 all-time quarterback? Oh, well, yeah. They're not, they're not too many I mean, head I'm going to be honest with you guys. I might get a Super Bowl head coaching <laughs> if I had Drew Breeze. There are not too many coaches out there that can say they had a quarterback like Drew Breeze. Right. And with me saying that, 
let's be realistic about this this situation that seems to be ongoing and will be until the Broncos find their permanent solution at the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I've heard so many things on either side. And for me, I'm not team anyone. Mm -hmm. I just look at the facts and look at what they are. And the first thing I, I would always go go to Ben is since we're talking about is it's Russell, it's Sean Payton, it's Drew Brees. You go back to Drew Brees's first year in this in Sean Payton's offense. Mm-hmm. He's 27 years old. The year is 20, 2006. Mm-hmm. 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. The team finishes 10 and six. Eerily similar to that of where the Broncos find themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, give or take a couple of games. Russ, at age 35, put up similar numbers. So what that says to me is that, well, here is a quarterback at 35 who was able to put up numbers of a quarterback in the same offense first year, nine nine years his younger, mm-hmm. younger than he was. But it also says that Drew Brees' numbers went up slightly in year two. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Broncos are not going to get here. So when the Broncos are looking for that pure pocket passer mm-hmm. to create that spark, they need to go find that guy. Is that, is that guy out there right now in the draft? And I say, well, the only guy that matched those specifications is only one guy to me. It's Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. He's a combination of Drew Brees in my mind, right? I mean, he's, he's not an all pro, but he has certain skill sets as far as ball placements and being able to do certain things. But then he's got that tough ruggedness like Taysom Hill has, but he's not like a gadget quarterback. Right. So, so, so that is the only fit in my mind for the Broncos as far as quarterback is concerned. And the archetype, and I, I you know, we've been talking about Bo Nix here for a while as being a guy that I think Sean Payton likes, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He should be available where the Broncos pick. He's not one of the big three. Uh, Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, and uh, and Drake May. That's going to go in the top five. Um, but, you know, we, we got a chance to see some other quarterbacks as well. Um, I don't know if you, you had a chance to watch the, the football playoffs at all. Yes, I did. You know, I was uh, posted up doing it. We got a chance to see uh, J.J. McCarthy, who was very young. Uh, I think that's the thing to remember about what him is. He's like 20 years old at this point. He's, he's got a lot of growth ahead of him. And then we got to see, on the other side of that, Michael Penix, who's like 24 years old and is a super-duper senior in college. Um, Penix has got some dogs, man. They got some dogs on that team. They got some receivers that they're going to play on Sunday. Um, they've got, uh, they've got some talent and I love their head coach, Kalen DeBoer. Like he's done a great job, uh, up there at Washington. I don't know. Like p- people were telling me that Penix reminded him of Tua and I, yeah, I mean, he gets the ball that quick and he's left-handed and I, I, I get some of that. I, you know, it, the thing to remember here about that Washington game was they're up against the 96th ranked defense in college football. The Longhorns' pass defense was awful this past year. And before we anoint Penix, uh, I want to see him, and, and yeah, we saw him in the Pac-12, but there weren't a lot of defense play in the Pac-12 either. I want to see him up against Michigan. Because what I did see in Penix was a guy who, when he got hit or when there was pressure, he kind of wilted. And he's got the quick release. That helps. Uh, there are redeeming traits there. But I'm not ready to jump on this bandwagon that everybody's jumping on anointing Michael Penix. I, I can understand why from a, a certain degree. And here's a question. We, we all see, we've all seen quarterbacks perform well on a collegiate level. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking that that level of play is going to translate to the NFL. But the only problem is that you don't have the same O.C., 
You don't have the same offensive line. And more importantly, you don't have that same four-year chemistry with the wide receivers. So we can pick any particular quarterback. So for me, it goes back to the individual skill set itself. And does that skill set actually translate? Now, Michael Panic's skill set definitely translate, but it all depends on whether you can put it together with the right head coach. Mm -hmm. Because what we've seen in this league is some coaches take the frame of mind like, it's my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. Here's my system that you're going to operate. Forgetting the fact that they're drafting a kid out of college who might have run a different offense. It's one thing if you run a similar offense. Mm -hmm. Now you're walking into an environment that's somewhat familiar to you as far as concepts are concerned. But the verbiage is something that you have to get down. Now, I saw something on social media last night because everyone was going wild watching this because they were playing in New Orleans. And I did. was like, man, wouldn't it be great if the Broncos had Michael Penix as their quarterback? Mm -hmm. I'm like, pump your brakes. Slow down. It's not a similar player for this type of system. Right. It's not. It, and that's, that's part of the thing. I mean, Penix played six years of, of college ball, four years in Indiana and then two years at Washington. He wasn't really much of anything in Indiana. He had some flashes here or there, but really wasn't much of anything until he got to Washington, got in Kalen DeBoer's system, and then all of a sudden he, he, he took off. And that's what kind of worries me a little bit. I see a guy who's, who's you know, he's got average velocity uh, on the ball, um, but he's got some great receivers that were making mincemeat out of a bad secondary that the Longhorns had. And, you know, I, I, I just, again, I want to see it against a good defense. We know Michigan's defense is good. And if he carves them up, then I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, now it's time for me to really, really start cracking tape on this guy. But I, you know, right now, I'm not as sold on him as the public at large that's just raving about him. And you know what? Really quickly about McCarthy, he is, when you really think about it, a kind of anomaly because when you look at a lot of college quarterbacks, mm -hmm. they, they have that dual threat ability about them. McCarthy is your traditional pocket passer. Yeah. And, and he, he's showing in that, you know, Jim Harbaugh system, he can throw the ball down the field. Now, he had his uh, ups and downs in that Alabama game, yeah. for, for, for sure. But he showed that when the team needed to make a play, mm -hmm. he was the guy that made the play. But here's also the thing that made McCarthy shine, too. Run game. Mm -hmm. That power run game that Michigan was deploying was working. And the one thing, the way that I looked at it, Ben, it was like some coaches get so stubborn and they run a run into the teeth of the defense. What Jim Harbaugh and his team said, well, why do that when we know there are more yards outside on the edge? And both Alabama and Michigan were successful running outside, which I didn't understand that last play by Alabama. That was awful. I, 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 I know Jalen Milroe is a very talented guy, mm -hmm. but them, but Nick Saban opting to run that direct quarterback play it didn't make sense because the right the guard pull but the right tackle was pushed back mm -hmm. in the quarterback slot right he, he tripped over but right. it, it started when the ball was snapped low yes well which well, Alabama had been doing all game it'd been low snaps yes. all game right so as soon as he the ball was snapped low his eye eyes automatically went down to grab the ball mm -hmm. and he took his eyes off the defense mm -hmm. so what he didn't see was Michigan bringing pressure from both sides from nickel defenders. Yeah. And to me, that play wasn't going to work. And I was wondering, Ben, 
Why didn't they go with somewhat of a more sprint out RPO play to give Moreau an opportunity to take a shot? In the end zone with the pass. Well, and, and why didn't they spread it out a little bit too? You had a, like a, a bunch stuff to the center, which is where he was going. It put defenders directly in his path. I, when you want to pull those defenders out, they, the one passing play, the one the one concept that they'd had that been working for them because they couldn't really throw the ball much uh, was that slither concept where the back comes out and runs that crossing up, and, and it, it worked for him a couple of times. Why wouldn't you run that again at the goal? That's a perfect play to grab those linebackers out of the way and give you an option. See, for me, that's what they were attempting to do because. Remember, the back was aligned to his right, mm -hmm. and he immediately, on the snap of the ball, sprinted out to his left. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if you're trying to use misdirection motion, you're actually bringing the defenders to that side of the ball where you're trying to run your design quarterback run. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that, that, hell, it didn't fool me. Yeah, I just I, the whole play call and concept that they ran there on that one just, just kind of... Kind of blew my mind. I thought McCarthy started slow, but started getting going a little bit with the passing in the second half. And again, he's super young. The kid's 20 years old. He's super young. He's gotten better every year. He's uh, he's a true freshman uh, player there at, at Michigan. He didn't play much, but he did play. I mean, he played in uh, it was 11 games that, that he got in on. But he only had like 59 passing attempts as a, as a freshman. As a sophomore, really blossomed. 65% uh, passer, 2,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, five picks. Uh, passer rating of 155, and then this year, uh, 73% passer, 2,800 yards, 22 uh, touchdowns, four picks, a 170 passer rating. He just keeps getting better and better, and there's room for improvement there. Uh, even though he's an archetypal, uh, prototypical pocket passer type quarterback, there's enough there that uh, that there might be some, and I think somebody's going to get a gem out of him, whoever drafts him. Yeah, they, they are, because once again, it goes back to... Understanding what skills actually translate to the NFL. Mm -hmm. There is a place for your traditional drop back quarterback, but not too many. Not not into to get today's game where edge rushers are playing like uh, Micah Parson. Mm -hmm. You need quarterbacks that can run. So if you're going to have a quarterback that is your traditional pocket passer. I would say you, you would have to deploy a scheme where you're getting quick throws, getting the ball out of the quarterback hands with timing and rhythm. And, and the first thing that comes to mind when I think about McCarthy, I think about, I mean, growing up in Miami watching Dan Marino play, mm -hmm. right? Being able to do that, but Dan Marino also had a decent offensive line and he had Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. So when you talk about building out your offense as we look ahead at the 2024 draft and we look at a lot of these quarterbacks and where the Broncos are going to fit in the mix, which one of these quarterbacks actually meshes well with the head coach? Because that was been that has been one of the biggest things uh, that Russ doesn't fit what Sean Payton wants to do. Well, we already know that you've already pushed Russ aside. Mm -hmm. So you best to go find that heir apparent for not the next two years, but the next 10 years. Yeah. And, and, and once again, do you, do you have that? And these quarterbacks coming out, some of these guys have that skill set and that moxie, but the only thing they don't have is a skill set that matches the offense that Sean Payton wants to run. Right. And that's the thing. I think when we look at these quarterbacks, um, we, we are looking for, you know, we're looking for a certain skill set, not just the eye popping numbers. And I think that's the thing to remember. Uh, Colorado's defense didn't put up eye, eye popping numbers this year. They, uh, they, they lacked 
a little bit and being able to shut that down. Colorado defensive coordinator Charles Kelly has left. He's gone to Auburn to come become the co-defensive coordinator there now. Kelly is uh, uh, from Auburn. That's his alma mater. He played there from 86 to 89. So, you know, I, I can I can understand the tie there. But that's the fifth coach to depart the Colorado program this offseason. Uh, obviously, you had Sean Lewis who took the vacant head coaching job at San Diego State. Uh, Nick Williams, who was the DN's coach. Bill O'Boyle and Tim Brewster also left. Uh, Brewster was the first coach to depart, obviously. He was the guy who's who had to, you know, kind of... Uh, get demoted in order for Pat Shermer to be added. Uh, he tendered his resignation. He's the associate head coach, tight ends coach at Charlotte now. Um, you know, is this, are, are we, is, is, is this an indication that, that, you know, that the, the, the management up there is difficult to work with? Is this an indication that, uh, that there is a state of turmoil in Colorado? Is this a, just a natural flow of things? We already knew the offensive coordinator was going to be out. Is this just a natural flow of things with, with Coach Prime that he wants new blood? Yeah, absolutely. Usually when, you you don't have a season that you wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Usually there there's some changes. I mean, look at the Broncos and what's happening there and what happened, you know, last week. And what's happening up in Boulder is just a microcosm of what we saw last season. I mean, you you live the fact of the stats for the Buffs defense. They did not play well. They didn't show up in those key moments when they needed to. So you had to figure that changes were going to occur. Just like we saw players jump in the portal from CU, but they also jumped in the portal from other schools as well. This is just a byproduct of what what's, I guess, to come down the pike for college football. I mean, long gone are those days where you saw those uh, Florida State teams you know, get to national championships and you have guys who've been together for, you know, three, four plus years, you're not going to see that anymore mm-hmm. in college football. There, there's going to be some changes. And you think when, when a season doesn't go well and just put yourself in the shoes of a coach, the season doesn't go as well as you may have projected it, you're going to make some changes because when Charles Kelly was with CU Buffs, there were a couple of games that I saw where personnel issues were were, were a concern. Mm-hmm. Where you you didn't you had too many guys on the field, or you didn't have enough guys on the field, right? And it proved to be problematic. So we'll, we'll see where the program goes from here. Yeah, I just I found it interesting that they've had so much turnover, and 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 certainly uh, the way that the Pat Shermer stuff happened sort of. Um, Felt a little off. I don't know who they're going to bring in just yet. Uh, Mike Zimmer was the rumor. Uh, of course, Zimmer's, you know, worked with Coach Prime before down there at uh, Jackson State and obviously has the NFL ties. That would seem to make sense. Uh, Zimmer, I believe, also worked with Pat Shermer. So it would feel like that that, that would be a natural. Was that know, Minnesota? Yeah. They would feel like that that would be a natural, um, you know, staff that could work together. Okay. Well, let me toss out another. Let me see what you think. What about Rex Ryan? I don't know that he's set for the college game. <laughs> Why not? I, I mean, he's, he's an outsized very, personality. He's, he's, he's but a character. He is, but I don't think that Dion wants. I think Dion doesn't want those kinds of personalities. You know, in you know, I think he wants people that uh, are, are a little bit more quiet while he's the personality. <laughs> well, that's one thing for sure. That uh, while, while while Dion has been everywhere due to Amazon Prime and and his son's well off media. I mean, could you imagine? That's the thing that would kind of like blow me out of the water if Rex Ryan was there. He would want to talk more and have more FaceTime than that of Deion Sanders. And I don't know if that would work. Yeah, I'm not thinking that's working for Coach Prime. Nah, it's not going to work. I'm not thinking it's working for Coach Prime. So uh, there are, uh, we saw the Avs. They've been crushing lately. 
the Avs are on a roll, not getting a lot of th- not getting a lot of talked about there. Um, here in the in the market, everything's been Broncos dominated because of uh, you know the Russell Wilson situation and, uh, and everything's going on there. They are uh, currently losing to the Islanders two uh, one, but uh, you know the Avs have been a team that's that's been out there uh, playing really well and and maybe sort of returning to form. Uh, 23, 11, and three first in the central. Um, you know, it's, it's, they've, they've kind of been a team that we sort of forgot about after they, uh, you know, they win the cup and then they, you know, kind of the down thing and everything else. And now you're, you're, you won four, you last five. Uh, the one loss you had was a, was a one puck, one goal loss at Arizona. You beat the Blues, you beat the Sharks, you beat Arizona in there. Um, they're, they're playing pretty well and they've got, uh, a, a one point lead on both Winnipeg and Dallas. Uh, in the central, I, um, I I could see this team kind of put it back together and head back to Stanley Cup greatness. I think everyone here in, in Denver would love to see that happen. Some, sometimes when you watch the Avs play based on the players they have and how much success they've had previously, that is kind of the mind the mindset. Okay, mm-hmm. they're going to somehow find a way, run a table, get hot at the back end, find themselves back in the NHL playoffs, and then here's another Lord Stanley Cup that they're hoisting up. But I, I think Jared Bednar would say this, if, probably if he was sitting here in front of us, sometimes what comes with that expectations puts a lot of pressure on him as a coach and the players themselves. And once they hit that ice, sometimes you, you, you can see them playing with a certain level of confidence, and then there are games where... I feel they play down to the level of their opponent, uh-huh. possibly because you know what you know that this is a long hockey season, and, and sometimes you think that you can just kind of hit that switch. And every athlete has that that issue, but they've been playing great as of late. Now the idea is, can you keep it up? We'll see if it's sustainable. When we come back, George Drury. You listen to Rocco's Country Night on KOA. I don't like this toe. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.